As I, I came to Proverbs, I was like, man, which one do you choose? Which one do you share? And, and I thought about how do you introduce Proverbs? So I had to come up with something brilliant, right? So I, I came across this, this study. A scientist was using inductive method to observe the characteristics of a flea. Plucking off a leg each time, he ordered the flea, jump. After removing one leg, the flea jumped. Taking off another leg, the scientist again commanded, jump. And the flea once again jumped. The scientist continued this process until he came to the sixth and final leg. By now, the flea was having a little more difficulty jumping, he observed, but it was still trying. The scientist pulled the final leg off the, and ordered the flea to jump. The flea did not respond. Once again, he said, jump, a little bit louder. And the flea did not respond. One final time, he yelled, jump, but the flea was motionless. Taking his notebook out, the scribble down, he made his observation. When you remove the legs from a flea, it loses its sense of hearing. <laughs> As we engage in the book of Proverbs this morning, I, I don't want us just to take what we hear as information as something intriguing that we look at and go, wow. I want us to think, I want us to apply, and I want us to correctly handle what we are looking at in a manner that we will be able to attain wisdom. It is possible for us to have information and knowledge and still handle it incorrectly. So I seek to, to handle this correctly as, as we look at the book of Proverbs, which is a, a fascinating book. Before we look at Proverbs, though, I want to take you to the book of 1 Kings. And I want to introduce you to a man by the name of Solomon. Solomon was a young man when he took the throne. He succeeded his father, David, rightly declared entitled the greatest king Israel has ever had. Solomon takes the throne and in chapter 3, verse 5, we are given insight to a dream that he had, a decision that he makes that I would only hope I would respond similar. Chapter 3, verse 5, I'd encourage you to turn in your Bibles there. That was really cool, by the way, this week, being up at camp. No technology. You didn't turn to a passage of Scripture by going, boop, 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 boop. Done. People actually had to make noise and turn pages. It was fascinating. It was good for the youth too, but it really thrilled me, okay? But turn with me, chapter 3, verse 5, and we begin in Gideon, Gibeon, sorry. The Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night, and God said, 
Ask what you wish me to give you. First of all, that is an amazing opportunity to have. God Almighty, creator of the universe, coming to you and saying, ask whatever you want me to give to you. Then Solomon said, you have shown great loving kindness to your servant David, my father, according as he walked before you in the truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart toward you. And you have reserved for him this great loving kindness that you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, yet I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. Your servant is in the midst of your people, which you have chosen a great people who are too many to be numbered or counted. So, give your servant an understanding heart to judge. Your people to judge your people, to discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? What a fascinating answer from a young man. And we read this and we're like, wow. I will tell you, I had the opportunity to be around some amazing young people this last week. I am excited about how God is using this young generation that is rising up. But here is, is the opportunity of a young man to have anything that God will give. And he asked for understanding and discernment. God was pretty thrilled with that response too. Look at the next verse. It says, it was pleasing in the sight of the Lord, that Solomon had asked this thing. God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked for yourself long life, nor have asked for riches for yourself, nor have you asked for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself discernment to understand justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. Behold, I have given you a wise and discerning heart so that there has been no one like you before you, nor shall one like you arise after you. I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there will not be any among the kings like you in all your days. If you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and commandments as your father David walked, then I will prolong your days. An interesting statement there, and we'll look at that later on. If you jump over to chapter 4, verse 29, it says this of Solomon. And God gave Solomon wisdom and very great discernment and breadth of mind, like the sand that is on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the sons of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all men. Then, than Ethan, the Ezraite, Heman, 
Calcol and Dardia, the sons of Mahal, and his fame was known in all the surrounding nations. I always hate doing the names. I mean, I really do, but get that. Everywhere he looked, all the men of his day, the wise individuals, Solomon succeeded and surpassed all of them. And then listen to what it says. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. He spoke of trees from the cedar that is in Lebanon, even to the hyssop that grows on the wall. He spoke also of animals and birds and creeping things and fish. All the things of information, knowledge, and wisdom he spoke of in plenty. Men came from all peoples to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all the kings of the earth who had heard his wisdom. It is this man, Solomon, that God uses to write a great deal of the wisdom that we have in our scriptures. The book of Proverbs is predominantly written by King Solomon. We have Ecclesiastes that we'll be looking at later on next week. That'll be fun. That's a worthless message. You'll get it next week. All right. But he uses Solomon to give us a great deal of the Proverbs. And when we come to Proverbs, it's, it's helpful for us to understand what a proverb is. It's not a term that we use a great deal in, in our day or our culture. Wisdom has been, well, distorted. We call certain things and certain ones wise that are really, according to God, fools. But when we come to the Proverbs, it's, it's a brief, popular statement idiom or a maxim many words made into few i love that statement right there by the way a proverb is many words made into few you take a great concept and you condense it into a short brief saying and it stays with you you understand the statements give a, a life applicable point there is something that's going to be applied into your life and mine when we come and, and see a proverb. Often they're clever sayings. How many of you have read the book of Proverbs and there's been a proverb that just is always like at the forefront of, of your life mantra as, as you go through? There's, there's those proverbs that stand out, aren't there? Some of you are going... No, no, I don't. You should. There's some good ones in there. There's some funny ones, too, because it speaks to life. The wise sayings captured in short sequence, we're going to see in the book of Proverbs that there's also stories and poems. And all of this is used to express wisdom, knowledge, discernment, understanding. In the book of Proverbs, there's approximately 900 of these short sayings throughout the book. Not all of the Proverbs that, that Solomon wrote are captured for us in the Scriptures. 
but a great deal are. And we see wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom and knowledge is the ability to live life skillfully. That word skillfully is, is important. It, it, it implies having skill. It pertains to the mental ability that we put into action. So often we equate knowledge and wisdom with the mental ability just to attain information. That's not what the Proverbs are about. It's attaining that, that knowledge and understanding in order to put it into action. And the Proverbs often are, are surrounded by and dealing with the moral aspects of life. Yet we live in a society and a life that says there are no morals, there are no absolutes that we live by, and God says to the contrary. There is a moral life to live, and it is lined up with Him. Therefore, God gives us His wisdom, His understanding, and knowledge. It's applied knowledge. That's wisdom. We apply what God is teaching us. What I love as you go through the book of Proverbs is it's simple. You read that and you're like, well, that makes sense. God is practical. I love that about God. I love that about his scriptures. We were, I was talking to over 60 high schoolers this last week. And guess what? God's word is practical to their generation. It was practical to my generation and other generations before me. God's word speaks truth into our lives that we are to live out. And when we do, it is wisdom, those life skills. Let me illustrate it this way. Applied knowledge. Knowledge will tell you some of you have heard this, but knowledge will tell you that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom, applying that knowledge, tells you you don't put a tomato in fruit salad. It's not what we do. That is applied knowledge. And it's practical. Oh my goodness, tomatoes in a fruit salad would be gross. I love that it's practical. So as we look at the Proverbs today, we're going to find that there are some that are brief. Maybe one or two statements of, of wisdom, understanding that's given to us. There, while there's others that take on the form of those stories. And as you go through the story, as you see what unfolds, you go, ah, oh, I get it. There's some beautiful poems in there, oracles and teachings. So let's look at the overview of this book. The theme, the central theme throughout the book is definitely wisdom. And, and as we look at this, it's, it's a, it unfolds in such a beautiful way. Proverbs is the only book out there, by the way, that gives you its purpose. Right there in the introduction, it gives you its purpose. I love that. As a pastor, as a, as a teacher, that is a wonderful thing. You're like, hmm, I, it's right there. And we're going to look at that in just a minute. Chapters 1 through 9, though, written by Solomon, are teachings that 
are for youth. Teachings to the young man or woman of God that are to be applied to life. It's interesting, as you go through there, there is the, the, the concept of hear my son, a father speaking to his son. In fact, look at verses 8 and 9 of chapter 1. This is how these, these 10 speeches and, and the four poems unfold. But this is where it begins. Hear my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they, have, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments around your neck. As you hear these teachings, as you hear these speeches and these four poems unfold, these are things that are going to be applied to a young person's life. Now, I've read these things in, in recent years. I, I don't consider myself a youth anymore. But they're still very applicable. They are still tied into everyday life. But the direct attention here is given to youth. Young people, these chapters are essential to understand. And we see it in the form of teachings. There's, there's a narrative, there's stories there. Interestingly enough, as we look at these teachings for, for youth, young men, young women or just young maturity, we realize that these are not laws. When you read through the Proverbs, you do not see God's law given. That's not what the Proverbs are. Rather, it is practical. It is divine ways that you and I are to live our life. Don't you love that God gives us the, the practical aspects of how to live? And guys, if God is saying this is the best way to do something, you and I would be a fool by all definitions of fool to not heed his instruction. There's cautions in this section given. There's, there's instruction. And then there's more caution. And then there's, well, cautions. It's amazing how much of God's wisdom focuses on cautioning us of things to look forward. And there's, it's practical. I can't reiterate enough how practical the Proverbs are for your life and mine. And then the poems that look to lady wisdom. I find it interesting. It's, it's to a young man that, from a father that's being talked to here. And he, he gives the description of wisdom as, as lady wisdom. Pursue her passionately. Pursue her with your heart. And these four poems speaking of, of Lady Wisdom unfold and he's encouraging his son, pursue her unlike any other woman you would pursue, Lady Wisdom. And when we look at it, it is the very, very nature of God that we are pursuing in Lady Wisdom. It is the heart of God that we are pursuing. He says, chase after her, look to her, pursue her. I love that. 
In chapters 10 through 29, this is where we see those clever short sayings and the wisdom of, of Solomon and all those, those short statements there. Over and over, they're, they're giving that, that moral mindset that you and I are to have as we live through life. These are the ones that you come to and you hold on to, you apply to life, you remember that one to, to apply it to this situation or that one. And, and this encompasses a great portion of the book. But it's not just great advice. When you read these proverb, Proverbs, it's, it's not good advice that's being given here. It is good, it is advice, but it is godly wisdom given to man that we live by it. We, we put it into action. In chapter 30, we were introduced to, to Agur. He's a humble man. Listen, listen to these, these first few verses of, of chapter 30. Surely, I am more stupid than any man. Did you know the Bible uses the word stupid? Agar des describes himself this way in light of God. He looks at God and he says that surely I am more stupid than any man and I do not have the understanding of a man. Neither have I learned wisdom, nor do I have the knowledge of the Holy One, who has ascended into heaven and descended, who has gathered the wind in his fist, who has wrapped the waters in his garment, who has established all the ends of the earth. What is his name or his son's name? Surely you know. Every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, or he will reprove, reprove you, and you will be proved a liar. We're, we're introduced to this, this individual, Agar, in, in this section. And we see his approach to God. It is a humble heart. When you and I go before God, when we stand before God, when we come to His Word, we are to have that humility. Did you recognize the way He compared Himself to God? He goes, God, I, I don't understand this. I can't do this. You are the one who has done this. He is declaring His great attributes. In the following verses, there's going to follow observations of God's creation, observations of life in six different numerical sayings. And it's, it's, it's a powerful thing. From one of them is, is the, the, the proverb of God, and this is Jed's quote here, I don't have it written down, but God, don't give me so much that I forget you. Don't give me so little that I go and I defame your name over and over he will go through with those numerical statements in chapter 31 we are introduced to two women highly esteemed worth looking at in in the opening verses we we are introduced to the words that the mother 
of King Lemuel wrote or told him. Lemuel is most likely a Gentile king. He's not Hebrew. Neither is Agar most likely. He, he is a Gentile king, but the words of his mother expressed to this king are beautiful and powerful. She gives great insight and wisdom in how a leader should lead, caring for those that are, that are poor and, and struggling, and gives him such a beautiful standard to live up to. In the closing verses of this chapter, we look at a noble and wise woman. That, those, that, that picture of uh, the, the noble wife. And it begins, who can find? It's not saying she doesn't exist. It's saying she is such a precious and rare gem. And it's a beautiful Hebrew acrostic poem where it meets and centers in the, in the middle. But as it unfolds, we see that this woman, this woman of God, this wife that he has found, is one who has applied knowledge to life. Wisdom. This woman is one who has applied it skillfully. Isn't that a beautiful thing that as the book opens... The young man, the young person is, is challenged and told to pursue lady wisdom. And we close this book of wisdom with a woman who has applied knowledge and understanding to demonstrate beautifully in the skills and the life that she lives, wisdom. As we pursue God in His wisdom, our lives should demonstrate the knowledge and understanding that we have of Him. So let's look at the purpose of the book real quick. Proverbs is really clear about it. The first seven verses gives us the purpose. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. It's straightforward. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction. To discern the sayings of understanding. To receive instruction in wise behavior. Righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the naive. To the youth, knowledge and discretion. To the a wise man will hear and increase in learning. And a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. That is the summary of the book of Proverbs. When you pursue Proverbs, when you and I pursue the purpose of this book that God has given us, there is a twofold purpose that we see. First, to impart moral discernment and discretion. It should change the way that you and I engage with people because of how we are engaging with God in understanding and, and discernment, with discretion. 
The second is to develop a mental clarity and perception of the things that are wise and the things that are foolish. You and I are called to learn that, to grow in that. It's a sad thing when you see an adult that acts like a toddler. We look at that and we say, that is not right. There is something that's wrong. Because they have not learned, they have not applied the things of life. The same goes spiritually. We have the opportunity to, to attain that knowledge, to attain that understanding, but we are to apply it to life. I, I really appreciate what Wilkins, Wilkinson says about this. He goes, the words, wisdom and instruction, complement each other because wisdom means skill and instruction means discipline. No skill is perfected without discipline. And when a person has skill, he has freedom to create something beautiful. He goes on to say, he goes, Proverbs deals with the most fundamental skills of all, practical righteousness before God in every area of life. This requires knowledge, experience, and willingness to put God first. Willingness to put God first. Because when we live out the things that God says, this is how you should live, it can be uncomfortable and we want to place ourselves first. And so it begins this way. I love what it says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. This fear is not the crippling type of fear that causes you to curl up and do nothing. The fear of the Lord is a reverence. It is an awe. Like we spoke of last week in, in the Psalms, Alleluia, Allelu, praise, Yah, Yahweh, praise the Lord. There is an awe there, there is a majesty and power that we see in God. There is an ultimate trust that we, in, we give ourselves over to Him. We place ourselves in His hands, trusting Him, humbly depending upon Him. That is the fear of the Lord. And it's beautiful. It's a reciprocal relationship that we see in Proverbs, though. In Proverbs 9.10, look at what it says. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You know, it's always good when something's reiterated. You should pay attention. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So in order to have wisdom, in order to have understanding, we have to have the fear of the Lord. But then look at what it says in, in Proverbs 2, 1 through 5. It says that wisdom leads to the knowledge of the fear of God. So we're doing a full circle. It says, my son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as, for, as hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. 
You can't have wisdom without the fear of the Lord. With the fear of the Lord, you discover understanding and wisdom. It keeps going around. It is central that we keep a focus on God, His, His power, His awe, as we look at this. Proverbs says that we are to follow Him. There's one thing that's really hard to grapple with, though, when we come to the Proverbs. The Proverbs are practical, but they're not promises. I, I wish they were. Oh, that I could go to every proverb and realize that it was a promise. Oh, how that would thrill my heart. If I do this, then this will come from my life. If I live this way, I will see these results. But they're practical, but they're not promises. We already saw that in the book of Job. Job's like, I've lived this way, but this is the outcome of it. I'm confused, God. His friends were confused. God does not answer the question of why, but of who. And once again, we look to God. As we struggle and grapple with, with the different possibilities that are out there, the different outcomes of these Proverbs, we grapple with the practical versus promise. We do not see promises, but what we do see is general truths. Let me give you an example. Proverbs 10, 27. The fear of the Lord prolongs life. But the years of the wicked will be shortened. I know some really old wicked people. I know some amazing godly individuals who in my thoughts, my estimation, have died too soon. This is a general rule, but it is not a promise. Here's another one, Proverbs 22.6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. I have spoken with so many parents who raise their children, teaching them God's word, going to the scriptures, praying with them, praying for them. Yet when they we became adults, they decided another direction to go breaking their parents' hearts. But the general rule is as we train our children in God's Word, as we train them in His wisdom, the outcome, the fruit of that will be those who don't depart from it. Those general rules. It deals with life as a whole, not the exceptions. And God in His infinite wisdom and care for you and I gives us books of wisdom to help us grapple with those exceptions. He gives us the book of Job. Next week, we'll look at the book of Ecclesiastes. Two, two wisdom books that we have that, that on either bookend of, of this book of Proverbs. Helping us deal with some of those exceptions that we see in life. And here's the truth. When we look at the exceptions, we can come up with so many, can't we? Life is far too complex to have a single formula for all of life's 
uh, situations. Our life isn't cookie cutter. And so we come to God's word and he addresses those things in life. Aren't you glad that we have a God that cares enough to help us deal with those things? We look and we see the wisdom that God gives. When we study Proverbs, when we study Job, when we study Ecclesiastes, it's not that long of a book. You guys should read it with me this week. Do you, do you see our God? Because at the very center of wisdom is the very character of our God. The very heart of the one who sustains you and me. What a beautiful picture he gives of himself. What a wonderful thing that he reveals, gives us the ability to understand him just a little bit more. To understand his heart and how we apply his knowledge, his wisdom into our lives. What a gracious God. I find it fascinating that Solomon gave, or Solomon, no, God gave Solomon wisdom. That scripture itself declares that he was the wisest man who ever lived, yet as we read through the history of Israel, the history of Solomon, we see that in his life, he acts the part of the fool. We see that. We see that he allows his heart to drift from God. See, it's not just enough to know it. It is applied understanding applied knowledge he was able to pen it down on paper but he lived as a fool God gave Solomon a choice he chose right at the beginning and he drifted God gives you and I a choice as well some of you may feel you have drifted that you have played the part of the fool. You know what? God says, come back. God says, look, if you do this, here's the general principle, come back to me. Apply this to your life. I've given it so you know. We don't just study Proverbs. We don't just read through Proverbs to attain knowledge. It's good knowledge to have. but applied wrong in our life. Applied wrong in our life, we will end up putting tomatoes in the fruit salad, so to speak. Appearing wise on the outside, but a fool at the heart. I want to encourage you this morning to implement the wisdom that God has given us into your life. Implement it. 
skillfully weave it into the way that you behave, the way you act, the way you are. And when people ask why, you can say, because this is my God. And I'm imitating Him. What an amazing thing the church would be if we skillfully lived out the things that God has given us. I would love to challenge you. I've done this countless times in my life, but each day, whatever that day is to go to that proverb, we got August starting here in a couple of days. Start with Proverbs 1, read through, and then start again each day. It is, it is a wonderful practice. And I will tell you that you will be reading and you will find that they will speak to you in such a powerful way each time. I would encourage you to read other scripture as well, but you know what? It doesn't take long. One proverb a day. You see, Proverbs only take seconds to read, but a lifetime to master. And as we do, we become more and more like this great God that we serve. What a blessing. Let's pray. God, you are wise. We are not. God, you have given so much understanding and you graciously gave it that we 